Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Kia ora everybody, I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. This episode was brought to you by Elevit, so I just want to say another massive thank you to Elevit for jumping on board and sponsoring this episode. Your help has meant I can bring more episodes to this podcast over the next few weeks, so I really appreciate it. Awesome. So in today's episode, I chat with Kat Smith about her two birth stories. She's got some interesting experiences to share with us. In her first pregnancy, she had marginal cord insertion and a subchoronic hemorrhage, which um, I'll let her explain because I probably won't do a very good job. And she gave birth in a hospital. Her midwife did the perineum support with a warm flannel and she didn't have any tearing. So she talks us through that. And then her second birth ended up being at home. So it wasn't initially planned to be at home, but because of the COVID-19 pandemic that's going on at the moment, they had to make a quick change. And she ended up having a really beautiful home birth experience. So I'll let her talk you through that as well. But yeah, hopefully if you're pregnant and about to give birth um, in the middle of this sort of crazy time I hope this gives you some hope and makes you feel yeah really good so thanks for listening and let's jump into it hi Kat thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today that's all good would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family sure so um my name is Catherine but I usually just go by Kat um I am currently oh how I'm 25 oh my gosh I almost <laughs> forgot <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm currently 25, um, and my husband is 27. His name is Keenan. He is a scaffolder, and we have two babies now. We have Quaid, who is one and a half, and we have a little girl now as well, Manawinui, and she is two weeks old. And yeah, we also live with my mother-in-law. I don't know if it's too relevant, but our love story started on Bebo over t- uh, 10 years ago. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So that's how we met. And here we are, two babies later. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And you're a photographer, is that right? Yes. So um, yeah. I'm currently a photographer, mainly doing birth photography, actually, and maternity and just motherhood. I love it. Love everything motherhood. Yeah. Beautiful. Very cool. And do you want to take us through what the journey to pregnancy was like for you guys? So in some respects, it was quite an easy one. Um, So I personally don't like the pill. Um, I'd always forget to take it. So we'd always end up having to just use condoms anyway. Um, But it also reacted really badly with my skin. I found it affected my libido and affected my moods. Um, I'd also tried the depot, but 
like I just bleed nonstop. So we decided to just yeah. use condoms and that was just doing us fine. Um, I think we'd been using them only since about 2013. Um, yeah. but by 2017, I guess we just got a little bit more laxed about it all. Um, and I was really fortunate that I've always had like quite a regular cycle. And so we just started kind of only using condoms during my fertile window, which I was able to yeah. keep track of using one of the apps on my phone. Um, we did end up having a bit of a whoopsie though. Um, <laughs> And ended up having sex without a condom during my fertile window. Um, and so we decided that we'd go get the morning after pill the next day. Um, the next day, though, we kind of had a talk about it. And it was the first time in seven years that we had actually ever had sex without any kind of protection during a so-called fertile window. Um, yeah. So kind of I was just telling myself that, you know, maybe I can't even get pregnant anyway because I know that – um, the fertile window isn't always a hundred percent accurate. Um, and I was like, you know, maybe we'll just see what happens and just go from there. And Kanan agreed as well. And so we're like, well, yeah, we'll just see what happens. So we had that beautiful two week wait that no <laughs> one tells you about, um, which is just like absolutely torture in a way. Um, yeah. and then I had a positive pregnancy test. The, I think I wasn't quite prepared for all of this though. Um, I um, took another test the next day and the line had gone. So yeah, yeah it was like, okay, well, okay. I was pregnant. I'm not pregnant. Yeah. Um, and actually, no, I think, I think I took two tests and they were, I had a faint positive and then the next day I had nothing. And then I think two days later I got my period. So I was quite upset, quite emotionally um, wrecked from that. It was a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, but I think for me and Keenan, it definitely just really solidified the fact that we really, you know, we really did want kids. We'd always talked about it, but, you know, now it was just like we actually are ready, like we want kids. So we decided yeah. to try again the next month, um, except I had the same thing. So I had a positive pregnancy test after the two-week wait, um, had another positive pregnancy test. I think I had like three or four this time, but the line started to fade. Then I got spotting and then like a week later I got my period again. Yeah. So it was quite an emotional couple of months. Um, and we then actually had an opportunity to um, invest in a friend's business. And so after having a little bit of a talk about it, we decided that we would wait until next year um, invest in this business and just smash out some financial goals um, and we'll focus on children in another year or so. Um, but after a couple of months of no condoms, <laughs> we then had another little whoopsie. And from that one, though, I actually did take the morning after pill, um, but I didn't take it within the 48 hours. I took it in the 72-hour window. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, funnily enough, that was our <laughs> positive pregnancy that stayed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that seems so, to be typical for some people, isn't it? It's a bit of Murphy's Law when you're not uh, hoping for it or trying for it. It can, yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, exactly what happened. So that yeah. was our claim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and how were you feeling throughout that pregnancy? Did you have many uh, morning sickness symptoms or anything else that sort of stood out to you? Um, yeah, so actually with this one, I 
it's funny. I'd like convinced, totally convinced myself that I wasn't going to be getting pregnant this time around because, you know, I had two, what they call, I think, chemical pregnancies in a row. And um, then I'd taken the morning after pills. So I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not having a baby. I'm definitely not getting pregnant. Um, And we actually went down to Queenstown for my sister's wedding that she was having in Vicargill. Um, and we flew down there and I remember we went to onsen hot pools and I was like, you know, the gram where the onsen hot pools, <laughs> beautiful. I was finally there. And I just remember being so exhausted. I was like, I was almost in tears because I was just so tired that I couldn't even sit in the hot pool. Um, cause it was putting me to sleep. I was just so exhausted. And I remember cause we didn't have Lululemon in Hamilton at the time. And I was actually a personal trainer at the time. And I went to go get a new sports bra and I was like, Oh, I've got some titties at the moment. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, normally that can happen right before my periods do, but um, they were looking pretty good. I was like, sweet, not complaining about this, but I just don't even think anything of it. Um, we even went sky jump, uh, uh, bungee jumping and everything. But I was just, I just remember being so tired the whole time and I was peeing a lot. And I remember the day we got home from Queenstown, I was actually a week late for my, a uh, week late, a day late for my period. And, um, it was 3am and I was going for a midnight pee as was the norm at that stage. I didn't even really realize. Yeah. I just was like, okay, I'm a day late and I keep peeing in the middle of the night. I'm going to do a test. And I did a test and yeah, that was the positive. Um, so I had all those early signs and then the morning sickness kicked in. I had the worst morning sickness with him. In fact, we actually got married in Rarotonga in January and he was born in July um, so I was 15 weeks pregnant at my wedding and I was spewing on my wedding morning. Oh, so no. that was real cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. it did start to die down probably two weeks after that. So around 17 weeks is when my morning sickness really started to die down, but it was, it was rough. It was so rough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully though, I didn't and have did hyperemesis we... or anything. So uh, yeah. I really no, feel for those Did girls. you find that anything yeah. helped your morning sickness when you were sort of feeling like that? Just sleep. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that we could get you through was just sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. I think um, there'll be a lot of other people out there in the same boat. So did you do uh, most of the standard testing that you're offered in New Zealand, like the 12 and 20 week scans and everything like that, the gestational diabetes tests and all of that? Yes, I did for this pregnancy. So I did all the scans. Yeah. Um, in fact, we actually found out that we had a, I had a subchorionic hemorrhage. Um, that was picked up in the first scans, the 12 week scans. Um, so that's just basically like a little pocket of blood. Um, fortunately for me, it was a little bit higher up. So, um, I didn't experience any bleeding or anything, which can be common with that. Um, and yeah, it just gets absorbed apparently, which seemed to happen. Um, but I did also have a marginal cord insertion, which is where the cord inserts into the very edge of the placenta. Yep. So we had quite a few extra scans um, with Quade just to monitor his growth to make sure that he wasn't being restricted of blood supply throughout the pregnancy. Um, So we had quite a lot of extra scans, which was really cool. Like I really liked it actually being able to see him and I find all that stuff very fascinating. So yeah. 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 Awesome. And did you find out that you were having a boy? Yes, definitely. We yeah. are way too nosy. I, I wish I could yeah. do it like, you know, and have a surprise at birth, but I'm just, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Yeah. Awesome. And did you have much of a sort of birth plan or how you hoped your birth might go at that stage? 
Um, so I, I was very open, I think would be a good way to put it. I did have a birth plan in the sense that I really wanted to have a water birth. Um, my mum had actually had water births at home. Um, so I got to witness one of my brothers being born when I was about 10 or 11 years old. So that was kind of like, I guess something kind of normal for me. Um, and yeah, I just really wanted to give that a go. Everyone says it's quite nice. And we have two beautiful birth facilities in Hamilton here. So, um, that was kind of the idea. And yeah, like I went to two different, um, antenatal courses and throughout the pregnancy as well. And I think through them, I decided that, yeah, I really wanted to do, um, yeah, water birth was kind of like the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And do you want to take us through your labor and sort of how it started? Did it start spontaneously and how far along were you? So I was overdue. Um, so at about, oh, how far was I? I must have been 40 weeks and six days-ish. Um, I saw my midwife for a non-stress test. So just to check that baby's heart rate was um, good over an extended period of time, not just for a minute when they check it, you know. Um, yeah. Just to check that he was healthy and happy and that they were good to sort of have me stay pregnant for a little bit longer. Um, and they did the the stress test and he was happy, he was healthy. Um, she also went to go and do a membrane sweep, but apparently my cervix was extremely tight and shut, so that wasn't mm. possible. So I was like, okay, cool. I was doing everything at that stage to get him out. Um, sex, primrose oil, raspberry leaf tea, Swiss ball, mm. walking, prunes, acupuncture. I was trying it. And, yeah, no, apparently yeah. my cervix was just shut tight and he was happy. Okay. So at this stage I was convinced that I was just pregnant forever, <laughs> um, as you do at that stage. <laughs> Um, so the next morning I woke up and at this stage, the consensus was that we were just going to be, um, waiting on an appointment with the hospital to set an induction date. Um, and that morning I woke up and I was like, screw this whisper. I'm not sitting on it. I'm not doing anything. He's just, I'm just pregnant forever. It's just how it is. Um, and I was sitting on the couch and I had a sore back. Um, so I went and got the wheat bag, got that on my back and, you know, I had that sitting there. Um, and I just, I guess I just totally convinced myself by that stage that, you know, like no, no niggle is a sign of labor now. You're just pregnant forever. So this is not labor. Um, and yeah, I, that started probably around about 1130. And then by 6.30, my back was like really, really sore and Keenan was home from work at the stage. So I said to him, you know, can you give me a back rub? Um, I, I felt like I really needed to go to, for a poo and I just couldn't poo. So I said, I'm just really constipated. Um, this back rub was not helping me and I just still couldn't poo. And I was just like, I was in a lot of pain in my back and I was just like, I'm just really constipated. Um, and he goes to me, are you sure you're not in labor? And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm just really constipated. And I got him to go get me some prune juice. Um, do not advise before labor, by the way. Um, <laughs> Um, and yeah, and I was just like, no, no, I need a poo. I need a poo. But it got to the point where I was, I was in tears and he goes to me, babe, if you're crying because you need a poo, you need to go to hospital. Like you, you shouldn't be crying because you need a poo. And I was like, that's a really good point. <laughs> um, lo and behold, I was actually having these pains and waves. 
should have been the biggest telltale sign. But, you know, I'd done, I'd done two antenatal courses. I also, you know, had at that stage, I was, I was a personal trainer and I'd done extra certifications in anatomy and physiology. So I was like, no, no, I'm educated. You know, I haven't had my show, no waters. It's just back pain. Like it's not even like anywhere. I hadn't, didn't feel anything in my front. It was just all in my back. So I was like, no, no, I'm not in labor. I'm just, I'm just really constipated. Anyway, he's like, no, no, you're crying. Like you're in a lot of pain. And I was like, okay, cool. So I called my midwife and I said to her, look, you know how you told me if you think you're in labor, you're not in labor? I think I'm in labor, but I don't know. <laughs> and she goes, okay, well, just come and meet me at the birth center. So I went and met her at the birth center, and I was three to four centimeters dilated. Mm. So I was in labor. Um, so mm. I was just glad. Yeah, I was just glad that I hadn't called her in for a poo. Um, so that was cool. Um, but basically she um, she had just been at a labor herself that, night before and so she hadn't had much sleep and she said to me that um you know she's I'm still in early labor being three to four centimeters dilated she's not going to be any use to me right now um so at this point she said it's best that I send you home and then we both get some rest if if you can a little bit if possible but they, we both get some rest and um you know we come back to the birth center when things pick up a little bit um I, at that point though, could feel things picking up and I was just like, I'm not going home. I'm not going home. I could feel things picking up while I was there. I started to have a little bit of a show while I was there and I was just like, this pain is quite intense and it's all in my back and like, I just, I don't want to go home. So she said that from here, what we could do instead is just have me go to the hospital and they can just double check that, you know, the back pain isn't from anything else if you know things aren't sitting right and then um, they can monitor you there and then as you start to pick up I'll come join you so I was happy with that because I just I didn't want to go home and in hindsight I guess it's probably because my body knew I was further along than I was maybe I don't know but um from there we went to the hospital and um so I think I got to the hospital about I must have got to the hospital about 8 9 30 maybe 9 39 um, cause I think I saw my midwife at the birth center around 8.30 and once I got to the hospital, like things were really picking up. Um, and cause I said to my midwife as well, when we were at the birth center with the pain that I was feeling, I was like, I'm not going to be a hero here. I, this pain is insane. I'm going to get an epidural. <laughs> I was just like, if this is what I've got for another 10 to 15 hours oh, yeah. being being my first baby you know they tell you your labor's gonna be really long I was like I'm not gonna be able to cope like this is intense so I said to her I'm pretty confident I'm gonna end up getting a epidural so yeah that's another reason sorry that we decided to go ahead with the hospital so I got to the hospital things started to pick up a bit um I did find that the midwives at the hospital were a little bit frustrating they weren't communicating with me what was going on and what was happening um, they kind of just left me in the room to labor on my own. Um, and when I asked for pain relief, they came back with Panadol, which was real cool. <laughs> but they had spoken to my midwife and told my midwife apparently that I hadn't asked for an epidural and, and like that, but they, I don't know, there was a quite a bit of miscommunication going on, but my midwife said, this doesn't sound like cat. This doesn't sound like what she was asking for when I was last talking to her. So she decided to come along. 
and good thing that she did because, um, like I said, I think I got to the hospital around about nine o'clock. Um, by the time the anaesthetist got there at about 11, I was 10 centimeters. Mm. So I was, she was like, I'm sending the anaesthetist away and you're going to have your baby. So, um, yeah, it must have been about 11, 11, 30. And I was fully dilated and I had about an hour and a bit of pushing and he was here. So that was my son. He was, yeah, a little bit of a quick, quick transition, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And were they concerned at all about the marginal cord while you were giving birth or it wasn't an issue by the end? Um, It wasn't an issue by then. I think probably... Um, they might have been worried about, I know that you have to be careful maybe around about, um, when you're birthing the placenta and making sure you don't right, have yeah. a tug on it, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, not a professional here, but that's what I sure. think you have to be careful of. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, we didn't, I, I didn't, I don't remember having any issues with delivering the placenta. So that was, that was fine. Um, yeah. I forgot to say actually though, uh, I did use gas through that birth. Um, but cause they did finally give me some gas once I got to the delivery suite. Um, yeah. <laughs> not the pain at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, but I didn't get the epidural, but in hindsight, I'm glad, but, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And did they pop them up on your chest and you had some skin to skin and tried to latch them on and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. So he was, it was just beautiful. He, um, he was so healthy. Um, it was actually really special. Keenan really wanted to deliver him. So, um, yeah, Keenan actually delivered him. I had, um, the student midwife was, yeah, holding the, the flannel against my perineum, um, while I was pushing. Um, I, that's another thing actually. I was, um, I really wanted to, you know, not birth on my back. But um, he just wasn't coming down any other way. So um, mm-hmm. I had to birth on my back when I gave birth to him. Um, and, you know, you just got to do what you got to do sometimes. And, um, yeah, I had the yeah. student midwife holding the, the flannel against my perineum and Keenan was there to catch him when he came out. So that was really special. Yeah. Um, and then from mm-hmm. there, yeah, they passed him up onto me, put him on my chest and um, – he started looking for the boob pretty, pretty quickly and latched yeah. like a champ. Um, and he did his first big poo on me as soon as he was born as well. So it <laughs> went everywhere. <laughs> it's covered in meconium. That was real cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And what was his weight? Do you remember? Uh, he weighed, um, now it was three, five, six, oh, I think. I did the Google. Yeah conversion and it came out as eight pounds but I think that's wrong and he's actually about seven pound eight I think he was so yeah yeah, good nice and healthy um and yeah I mean I was we were lucky had a really good birth um I didn't I didn't tear or anything as well I just had a little bit of grazing yeah Yeah, um so that was yeah really 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 good hospital so we were only in the hospital for a little while and we then transferred to um, River Ridge Birth Centre in Hamilton um, yep. that night. So that was really cool, really special. They had the whole room sort of already warmed up and 
set up for us and we just got into bed and crashed out um yeah and they're they're amazing there they um you know come in and check on you and make sure that you're feeding okay and um give you some food in the morning and it was really nice just having that little bit of a newborn bubble um yeah after having him um being sort of catered to um a little bit and just having that space and yeah it was a really really nice just little yeah newborn bubble I'd say yeah awesome and how did you feel sort of once you got home obviously it's a huge adjustment bringing home your baby for the first time so how did you feel in those first few days and weeks um adjusting to life as a mum and sort of trying to get the hang of breastfeeding and and you've got a severe lack of sleep how did you find all of that um I think I found it like it had its moments um definitely had its moments in the sense that with Quaid especially he was so yeah he was never he was never a good sleeper he yeah is a tummy sleeper I found out as he's grown grown older um so that was quite hard in the sense that in those first few weeks he was I just feel like always always feeding always feeding there was no such thing as like you know how they say your baby has a cluster feed and will feed really regularly for a few hours he was just a permanent cluster feeder pretty much (laughs) um which showed in his weight that he quickly gained as well but um he would only sleep for maybe I think a two-hour sleep was really long for him and he would sleep best on me and that was the only way we could get sleep sometimes um so the first night we actually went home I I remember just having him battle with him, trying to get him to sleep in the bassinet. Because, you know, they get you get told put your baby to sleep on their back mm-hmm. in the bassinet. Um and I tried this over and over again, but he'd wake after about ten, fifteen minutes, then he'd be back on the boob. But then he'd only have a little a little feed because he'd just fed not so long ago and it just created this really bad cycle. Um and I think I didn't get to sleep till about five o'clock that morning when I finally gave in and let him sleep on me. And that's pretty much how we did the rest of our newborn days. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that was that was really tough. But I think what really helped me get through that was actually one of the antenatal courses we did. The, the antenatal facilitator actually set up a private Facebook group and encouraged us to communicate and talk on there. And we actually set up a, a messenger group from there with some of the girls from antenatal and um, that was probably the best thing I think through that period was, you know, at 3am when you've got a baby that won't sleep, you can actually talk to some other mums at 3am yeah. as well, who also have babies that aren't yeah. sleeping. <laughs> um, and that was probably, I think the biggest pot of gold to get me through those first, those first few, um, months, even just having that little bit yeah. of a community of other mums that are going through that same thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And how did you find sort of breastfeeding from there? Did you manage to go for quite a while or what was that like? Yeah, so um, we were quite lucky that um, I was able to breastfeed really well for most of the time. Um, I breastfed him until I actually found out I was pregnant again. Um, And yeah, um, it was actually this the second pregnancy that made me have to stop breastfeeding because my nipples got super sensitive and actually that 
that's been the most painful part of my breastfeeding journey was that period. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. And do you want to take us through then falling pregnant the second time? Were you guys trying for this pregnancy? Not quite. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I had just started getting my periods back. Um, I got my period back probably, well, I had a small bleed about five months postpartum, but I don't think that was a proper period because it was only like a few days. Um, But then I definitely got my first period back um, in March, which was seven months postpartum. then almost almost a year later um i we just we were sporadically using condoms but not quite properly and um by the looks of things i ovulated really late as well so my fertile window wasn't quite accurate anyway i actually was I was, I, was, I was thinking I was a couple of days late on my period, but I still wasn't 100% sure because things still weren't quite regular. Um, but I thought I'd take a pregnancy test anyway. And I, and I did the test and I was actually about to go to a cafe to meet some clients um, who were interested in birth photography. <laughs> and um, I did the test and I was like, okay, no, it's a negative. And I went out to the cafe, met with them, and, yeah, we – booked them in for some birth photography and then I I got home and I just was like I hear about it all the time you know listening to these podcasts everyone seems to have this feeling and I was like "Mm." and I just went and I looked at the test again and it was positive Hmm. I was like okay wow definitely wasn't expecting that so Quaid was born on the 12th of July um, and we found out we were pregnant again on the 7th of July the year later (laughs) so that was yeah a bit of a surprise Um, beautiful surprise but we definitely weren't planning on that at all Um, and we told everyone quite early this time round as well we um, I think especially after the chemical pregnancies um, that I had in the first experience um it was such an emotional event even though it was only you know a couple of weeks yeah yeah into it um that for me we kind of or me and Keenan kind of talked about it and you know a pregnancy is a pregnancy no matter how far along you are and you know we decided to share it with our friends and family we actually told them at Quade's first birthday (laughs) Mm -hmm. we only had a small get together with some of our family and yeah we we told them um, then. So, yeah, we were having another baby and, yeah, that was very exciting. Yeah. Awesome. And what was your pregnancy experience like the second time around? Was it much different to your first? So this time around it was actually a lot easier, um, which is so funny because I remember when I was pregnant with Quaid, I was so sick and I was just like, I better not ever have a girl because they say that you're always sicker with girls. Yeah. And if this is what I'm like with a boy, I don't want a bar of it. <laughs> um, but I was actually really surprised that um, I didn't, I think I only spewed once or twice. And other than that, I just had the nausea. Like the nausea. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I wasn't as sick at all. I could eat most of my meals. Um, yeah, it was actually a much more sort of easier pregnancy in that sense the one thing I did find though towards the um, the end of the pregnancy this time around is that there were definitely some changes in my pelvic floor um so another thing I actually forgot to mention 
my first one with Quaid was that that first morning as well when I was home, I ended up having to go to the doctor's. Um, I th- again thought I was constipated, but um, I actually had an issue with a hemorrhoid that I'd developed through birth uh, with him. Yep. Yeah, good old hemorrhoids. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't tell you about that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so I had a bit of an issue with a hemorrhoid. Well, this started to come out again. Well, not come out again, but, well, actually, yeah, that's the best way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that started to um, cause havoc a little bit from about 20 weeks pregnant. Uh, I think I got a little bit like mildly constipated and probably just a little bit dehydrated and it really hurt, really affected things there. And then from then on, my, my hemorrhoid was just an issue, ongoing issue throughout the rest of the pregnancy. Um, I also found that I, I I didn't even have this after I really gave birth with Quaid, but um, I found during that pregnancy that I could not sneeze on a full bladder. So I was mm-hmm. um, having some issues with stress incontinence um, and that was getting progressively worse throughout the pregnancy. And then towards the end of the pregnancy, I also started to notice a, a bulge in my vulva area, which was quite interesting. Um, so I spoke to my midwife about that and it sounds like it was just a, it's like a varicose vein, but it's in the pelvic region. Um, and yeah, quite common through pregnancy just with the increased blood flow and whatnot. But yeah, so I had this bulge, but I definitely started to notice that, um, affect me sort of if we were going to try and have sex and things like that. So that was, um, an interesting thing I didn't really expect either. Um, so pelvic floor and everything was definitely not where it was prior yeah. to babies. Um, but, yeah, I could definitely notice it getting progressively worse throughout the pregnancy, yeah. um, which was interesting but um, understandable because obviously you're relaxing is getting – well, you're getting a lot more relaxing towards the end of your pre- pregnancy to prep you for sure. birth. So at least yeah. I knew that my, my body was prepping for birth. It was kind of a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And did you have much sort of thought plan around where you wanted to give birth this time? Did you want to try and head back to the hospital or maybe to the birth center or at home? What were your thoughts there? So for this baby, yeah, we definitely wanted a birth. I I still wanted to do the um, water birth. Like That was (laughs) my one thing I really wanted to do. So the birth plan again this time around was to go to the birth center. Um. Also, just because I, you know, I didn't know how I was going to going to be with the pain again, if it was going to be all on my back again, um, because that was like it was pretty excruciating. I found, yeah, like it, it was really hard to describe. It was just not in my tummy at all. It was just all back. Yeah. It just felt like my back was being ripped in half, really. Um, so I was like, you know, if that's how it's going to be again, like I know I needed the gas last time. I want to be able to have that gas available. Um, also, unlimited hot water, you know. Yeah. It's a luxury we don't have at home. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I was yeah, I was really keen to go for the birth centre. Keenan also really wanted to go ahead with the birth centre as well. Um, just because they, in Hamilton, they're actually located a little bit closer to the hospital. So that way, if anything was to go wrong, we just did have that safety net of being a little bit closer to, um, medical help. Um, so that was always the plan. Um, however, I 
did communicate with my midwife um, about the idea of a home birth in the sense that I knew that my first labor progressed quite quickly, Mm -hmm. um, especially for a first baby. Um, And my mother actually had 30 and 45 minute labors with her last two babies. So if I'm anything like my mother, I thought, you know, like as I have more children, I could progressively get quite quick too. Um, I I said to, you know, ideally we don't want to birth at home. We want to birth, uh, at the birth center, but, um, you know, what, what happens if things go too quick? Because my worst fear was actually to birth in the car. And, mm-hmm. and labor in a car that is yeah. the worst thing in the world I remember that trip to the hospital and it was the worst yeah. thing in the world for me yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah so I was like the last thing I want to do is to be in full-blown labor laboring in the car like this, and give birth in a car that is not that is that is worse than either of those or anything mm-hmm. so um so I yeah, so I spoke to her about that and she said to me, well, what we'll do is I will actually come and see you at home first and we'll see how things go for where you're at from home and then we'll, we'll head to the birth center from there when you're ready. And I said, okay, yeah. cool. So that sounded, I was, I was really comfortable with that idea. Um, and yeah, cause I mean, like I was, so I was open to the idea of a home birth, but, there were, I guess you could say there was just still a little bit of anxiety around giving birth at home and we did have those luxuries available to us at a birth centre, so why not yeah. make the most of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. so that was and that was the plan. Yeah, cool. And obviously you've got a two-week-old, so you were due in March. Um, yes. Do you want to take us through, I guess, this sort of craziness that is at the moment with the COVID-19 mm. stuff? So. When that sort of started to affect New Zealand, how did that affect you personally, I guess, as a pregnant um, woman, sort of late stage in your pregnancy, thinking about your birth, what were your conversations with your midwife and and sort of how were you going about trying to keep yourself safe? So at this point, like, it was crazy. When the thing with uh, this whole COVID-19 is obviously it's just, it's just developed so quickly and it was changing day by day. Um, so fortunately for me, um, it didn't actually change any of our birth plans at this point. It was still sort of a, everyone was, a lot of people still weren't even taking it seriously at all. Um, you know, um, so we were still going ahead with the same sort of birth plan, but I remember having a few conversations with my husband around, um, my son's kohanga, um, we we'd actually kept him home that uh the week prior I think it was um just because we were unsure about some of the bugs that could be spread around yeah. there and having a newborn um and we talked about pulling him out of Kohanga but we didn't want to go ahead with that because at that point it was actually just way too drastic it was still such yeah. a you know it was all supposed yeah well contained at that point but it was definitely obviously starting to build our way um i'd say it wasn't actually until she was born that we started to have to have some very serious conversations which again were just changing day by day um it was yeah definitely 
we definitely had to have some really serious talks afterwards around visitors and things like that because it was just such a crazy thing. Yeah, for sure. And do you want to take us through your labor and how it started and how far along you were this time? Yeah, so I was, um, I, it was Wednesday, uh, yeah, Wednesday morning, um, that I started, that I went into labor with her and she was due on the Friday. So I was 39 weeks and what's that, five days, I think. Yep. <laughs> um, but that night, that morning beforehand or that day beforehand, I'd actually, I had the runs real bad and I actually had that the day before I went into labor with Kai too. But, um, I was cramping a little bit as well. And I just thought it was because of the runs. But then later on that night, I had a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a show. So tiny, tiny amount, but it was a good sign that things were kicking along and things were starting to change. Um, and so, um, I did start to feel after that, actually, those little, small minor cramps were kind of coming in waves, but it was so minor that I went to sleep like it was like really, really, really hard to notice. Um, real light, but obviously things were starting and my body was getting prepared. Um, my son then came into the bed at about, I think it was two 40 that morning because he, he sleeps in his own room, but he always jumps into bed with us in the middle mm. of the night. Um, but yeah, so 2.40 that morning, um, he came in and I went to the toilet and on my way to the toilet, I um, had some a small amount of my waters break and a little bit more of my show. Um, and from then on, um, I was having regular waves coming um, every, it was really inconsistent to be honest, really, really inconsistent and they were only about 30 seconds, but they were coming and they were there and I was like, cool, no, I'm definitely, I'm in labor definitely don't need to just go for a poo this time I've figured it out I think <laughs> and um I'm in labor so um I continued to labor um just in the room for the next three hours um so my husband and my son were asleep next to me and I was just having the contractions and I was able to sleep kind of through um, most of them in between it wasn't too crazy at all but then from about 6 a.m. I definitely noticed that things were starting to get a little bit more um, intense. Like I'd have to breathe through them a bit more. In which And that's when I woke Keenan up. We, we normally get up around about that sort of time anyway. And I just said to him, yeah, you're not going to work today. And I was still really, really like fine through these contractions. So he goes to me, are you sure I can just go to work for the morning and then like come home at lunchtime? And I was like, nah, maybe just stay home. Mm. <laughs> um but I was yeah, I was real it was real light. Um and then my I think it was coming up to around about seven o'clock things were starting to I was definitely having to breathe through the contractions a lot more and that's when I was like, okay, they're only they're still only thirty seconds long and they're still really inconsistent, but they are they are getting more like they're getting stronger. So I decided to call my midwife. I'd already given her a little courtesy text through the night, but I knew she wouldn't get it if she wasn't um up. So I gave her a call and that was about six fifty three AM and just said, Hey, look, yeah, I'm definitely in labor, but um things are pretty like I'm able to handle these contractions. I can breathe through them. Um, so we're good. And they're only 30 seconds. And she said, yeah, cool. We'll, we'll try, we'll wait for them to get a little bit more or a little bit longer, at least a minute long. Um, so we'll check in again around eight o'clock. 
So I was like, yep, cool. That's cool with me. Um, but then at about 7.30, I could really feel things picking up again. Um, I was starting to get a little bit vocal through the contractions. Um, but again, they were only 30 seconds long. Like they weren't long and they're a little bit inconsistent still, but they inconsistent, but they were coming relatively quick at this point. Like I'd say coming every two minutes or so. So I called her again and let her know. And she says, okay, cool. Well, I'll just finish my breakfast and then I'll head over your way and we'll just check you at home. So that was cool. Um, my mother-in-law then um, came in to check on me and then took my son over to my brother-in-law's house so that he would be out of the house when I had baby just because I didn't want him around um, or didn't want to have to take us take him with us anywhere when I had baby because I knew that I'd get probably stressed out if he was around and not behaving or needed some support or something you know <laughs> um so we decided that he because he's just too too young to understand he's only a year and a half so yeah so we, my mother-in-law took him to my brother-in-law's for me and she left about seven forty in the morning and at that stage she I was just starting to get vocal again I said in the contractions and she was like cool she's starting to get into labor um, at that point, I then called my midwife again. I think it must have been around about 7.50, 7.40, were getting really intense. And I just said to her, look, like, these contractions are still short, but, like, they are getting intense. And she could hear a few of them on the phone this time around. And she goes, yeah, no, they're, they're like, we'll meet at the birth center. I said, cool, <laughs> let's go. We're going to the birth center what we're on um so we started getting everything ready um we didn't have much to get ready all the bags were there Keenan just went and grabbed all the bags um and then he bloody started going to feed the dog I'm like can you stop mucking around we're having a baby we need to leave um but probably good that he slowed us down a little bit in that sense um but just and from there, I started to walk out the door and my midwife called me back to let me know that um, the birth center had just changed their rules on support people and you were only allowed one support person with you at the birth. So I had obviously my husband, that was really important that he was there at the birth, but my mother-in-law was due to come back and then go to the birth center with us as well. She's got four boys, two grandsons, and this was going to be her first granddaughter, mm-hmm. first little girl. So we really wanted her to be able to be there in that moment. I also had a birth photographer who we'd just called to say to meet us at the birth center. Um, and that was a huge priority to me as well. I didn't, I didn't get any photos during my birth of Quaid and that's something I'd grown quite a passion for. And I really, really wanted to capture this moment. Um, so I was like, well, I've got three support people. Like, how is this going to work? Um, you know, like, this is, this is not my plan. Um, like, do I pick someone now or do I, you know, and obviously that person I pick is going to be my husband, but then that means I don't get the photographer. I don't get my mother-in-law. And I was like, oh my God, like, I'm, (laughs) I'm about to have a baby right now. (laughs) Um, like what am I what am I supposed to do and then I just said to my midwife as soon as I I looked at Keenan and I said to him they're only letting in one support person and as soon as I said that to him I was just like I we're not going anywhere let's just like no nah, we're just gonna have baby here and I said to my midwife on the phone I was like just meet me here just meet me here so 
that was at seven oh six fifty three. Sorry, seven fifty three. Um don't worry, I don't remember all of this detail. This is just from my phone records. <laughs> um yeah, so then I threw my phone at Keen and I said, Call Shannon, call the birth photographer, let her know. We're having baby at home. Like she doesn't need to go to the birth center now. And then I remember falling to the floor with a contraction after that after I threw the phone to him and I could feel pressure in my bum. And I was like, Oh my god. I'm like I know that feeling. That's that's a sign that she's close. And I was like, oh my God. I said to Keenan, get some rubbish bags out, get some rubbish bags out, get the towels out. Um, which thankfully, because I'd already had that conversation with my midwife around the potential of birthing at home, she'd already advised me about just using some rubbish bags and some towels. And so we did that and he just put the towel, the rubbish bags down and the towels down over by a um we've got a bay window in our dining room area. And they just put them down over there on the carpet. And yeah, and then I had another contraction and felt that pressure again. And I said to him, I said to Keenan, I was like, call Annalena, see how far away she is. I was like, because she's close, like this baby's close. Um, and at this point, and after the birth, he told me he actually thought I was being really overdramatic at this <laughs> point. So I'm glad he didn't tell me then. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, you can't be that far into your labor, you know. Um, especially with just how easy I was only an hour ago. Um, but yeah, I was like, no, no, like I feel pressure. Anyway, Annalena got on the phone and she said, yep, cool. I'm, I'm just stuck in school traffic. I'm on my way. I'll be there soon. But also Kelly, her backup midwife is also on her way. And then she goes, just call me if, um, you know, if baby's actually coming or baby's on her way, like if baby's coming out, then you need to call me and I'll put me on speaker and I'll help guide you through the process. Yeah. And I had another contraction and I felt the bulge <laughs> in between my legs. So I was like, she's coming. And yeah. so Keenan was like, yeah. So he was about to hang up and he um, was like, no, no, wait, wait, wait. And put her on speaker and was like she's she's having the baby <laughs> um the next contraction came along and I pushed her head out um so Keenan at this stage I'm leant over the bay window bench and Keenan is behind me helping bide her out and he's talking to Annalena on the phone just letting you know that you know baby was moving a little bit and then the next contraction came and I pushed her body out and she was born at 8:07 a.m on the 18th of March. So a very surreal experience. Um, so Keenan helped me catch her and then um, I pulled her up between my legs and then sat down leaning against the bay window. And I think it was probably three or four minutes after that, uh, my photographer arrived. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she missed the birth, but um, it was, you know, obviously not the plan at all, but um, so special in the end, just having me and Keenan there to birth our baby girl into the world. Yeah. Um, not long after that, um, the backup midwife arrived and then a few moments, uh, oh no, sorry, actually before that, my mother-in-law, <laughs> my mother-in-law got home, she walked in the door and yeah, we already had babies. So yeah. <laughs> in the 30 minutes that she was gone, yeah. um, we had a baby so she was very shocked um and then 
yeah, then the midwife arrived and then my midwife came. So it was, yeah, a surreal experience, but so, so beautiful. Um, we were very fortunate, obviously, that, you know, our baby was so healthy and it was a really good birth. Um, so that was really cool. Um, it did, um, the, I did have a little bit of extra bleeding this time around though. Um, potentially from the speed of the labor. Um, but also I did receive a tear in this birth. Um, at first my midwife wasn't a hundred percent sure though. She thought it might've just been a bit of a deep graze, but, um, I was actually able to look a couple of days after I had her and, um, no, I actually received a tear in the labia up the top, kind of by my clip, yeah. which is interesting. Didn't think you could really tear there, but there you go, you can. <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, in saying that, um, it's been like it's healed really, really well. I didn't actually need to get any stitches. I can get stitches on it if I want to. Um, but I've decided to go without yeah. um, just because I would have to go back into like a facility to get that done. Yeah, and yeah. It's not going to affect me. It's not going to affect me in any way. Um, just looks a little bit different now, but it's not the end of the world um, for me personally. Um, but my midwife has obviously advised me that there's options there. Should I want to go ahead with it? But yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not worried at all. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, it was, yeah, really, really good birth. Um, definitely a positive experience, even though there was such a quick switch yeah. last minute. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the only other thing I think was, yeah, the placenta took a while to come out this time, though, as well. It took, I think, I didn't deliver the placenta until about an hour after I gave birth. Yeah. So, um, but my midwife was really good and they just let it naturally come. And, um, what's the, you know, they'd managed to control the bleeding as well once she massaged down my stomach as well. So that was really, really good. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Very cool. And what sort of, I guess, precautions have you had to take since then? I know she's only two weeks old, but has your midwife been able to come back and visit? And are you having sort of no one else come to visit? Obviously, we're supposed to be in lockdown. So, yeah, really interested what's um, been happening with yeah, you guys. Yeah, so, so this is where the things obviously took a bit of a change. Um, so, like I said, prior to my birth, things were quite sort of, I guess you could say a little bit more up in the air. Yeah. Like everyone was a little bit unsure about what was happening. Um, and it was still a little bit the same once she was born. Things were a little bit still um, uh, not as strict as things are now, yeah. which I actually find easier, to be honest, yeah. right now. Um, so, for ex- for example, um, um, we we did have a few visitors from – immediate family um but I almost I almost said no to my brother who lives in Auckland who was coming down on the Saturday and that was always the plan he was always going to come down that Saturday anyway um but I almost said no to him just because he could have been exposed through university yeah um in the end I, I we let him we let him come visit but I had hand sanitizer there for him to use and I didn't even do that with Quaid. You know, I didn't have that stuff there ready to go, but I you know, had it there. 
Um, and I, we, we had a few other people that were wanting to visit, but we'd kind of said, oh, maybe just, maybe not yet. We'll just see what happens first. Um, one of my aunties actually was due to go to Fiji and I said to her, well, can you come visit tonight before you go tomorrow? Uh, when you get back from Fiji, otherwise I'm going to make you wait it out yeah. a while. At that point, they, that, that point, the, the Pacific Islands were exempt from any isolation period. If you'd traveled there and she goes, you know, they're not, you know, you don't have to isolate once you get back from those countries. And I said, yeah, I know, but, um, you're still going to the airport. Um, and that's where a lot of, you know, the things are spreading at this point. So even though that rule isn't in place yet from the government, I still, I'm still going to put, put that rule in place myself. Um, so that was kind of a bit difficult, um, cause I love my auntie, you know, and I really yeah. wanted her to come visit and she really wanted to come see my, my new baby girl. But, um, yeah, we just, you know, we had to be a little bit more cautious in that sense because, you know, that, that is something we have to think about. Yeah. Um, me and Keenan had also had a conversation literally two days ago, like said about Wade and his kohanga, um, about pulling him out and we'd come to the conclusion that no, we wanted to keep him there because, you know, it was really, really good for his education. He's socializing with other kids and we really want to, um, we have a goal to eventually speak to the Māori in our household, um, as a main language. So it's really important for us to have him going to Kohanga. But, um, yeah, two days later, not long after she was born, I said to him, Keen and we had another conversation about it and it was we came to the idea that the best the best choice was to pull him out only because we're paying this money and we're not going to be sending him for the foreseeable yeah. future because we've got a newborn at home and things are ramping up and as much as we really want him to be able to go we we're like we just we don't want to take that risk around a newborn so I called his call hunger I think it was on the Monday after, so she was born on Wednesday and I called them on Monday to let them know, like, look, I'm going to be pulling him out. And I, I was almost in tears because it's not what we wanted to do at all. But we were like, this is, we have to start taking this seriously. Like things are changing so rapidly. And then it was that evening that, well, that afternoon actually, that the government announced the lockdown. And to be honest, that's been a blessing for us because it's actually meant that, we don't have to make those hard choices around mm. saying to people, you know, can you please not visit at us if you're feeling unwell or, yeah. you know, we actually don't want visitors right now. We don't have to be the hard asses in this sense because the government's been able to do it for us. So that's actually been a blessing in disguise for us. Yeah. So we've got, we've got, we've got a little bit of an extended bubble of just us, which, which is quite nice. And, you know, we've got, um, lots of, you know, FaceTime things set up mm -hmm. with families and things like that. So, you know, we've got that privilege available to us to be able to still connect with our family. We actually made a little Facebook group for some of our family and just post a few photos and things up on there of the kids so that they can still, I guess, feel included, yeah. um, even though they can't come visit. Um, because, yeah, that's definitely been, I guess, one of the hardest things around this period is you know so many people do want to visit but it's just we can't take that yeah, risk right now and obviously we can't anyway with governments so that's been 
like said, helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the true challenge, the true challenge is going to be, um, you know, once the lockdown has come up, um, you know, what, what we're going to do. Yeah. There, you know, do we continue to just, um, I guess it's a hard one. You can only really make that call based on the information you've got at the time because things yeah. like I said are just changing so rapidly. Yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think that'll be, yeah, for sure an interesting period, but who knows how long this, <laughs> this lockdown will last for now anyway. Uh, yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kat, for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories with us. I think everyone will obviously really love hearing about your first birth, but your second birth too. Um, unprecedented times for us here in New Zealand. So really interesting to hear the choices that you guys have made and also how you've been impacted in the last couple of weeks with your new baby girl. So thank you so much for coming and sharing with us. It's all right. Thank you so much for having me on. It's um, yeah, really cool to be able to share this and yeah, I just hope, obviously I'm feeling for a lot of the mums out there at the yeah. moment having to go through this, but um, obviously um, like you've just made a Facebook group as well. So there is support out there for a few mums that are feeling a little bit alone this time. And yeah. honestly, like I said, for me, when I had Quaid, one of the best things to get me through those first few moments of, or few months of newborn stage was actually just having a little bit of a, community of mums going through the same thing and that's what really helped me get through and I think it'll be really important for mums at the moment to just again also have that same sort of community um you know reach out on Facebook yeah. find those groups and um find your community I think is going to be the best thing to help you get through because it is it is a hard time and you can feel very yeah. alone but you know you're not alone yeah yeah no, for sure I think that is great advice thank you that's all right thank you no for problem. having me Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback. So either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at Kiwi Birth Tales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you. This episode was made possible by Elevit. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.